Well, hello and welcome to Wrong Place, Right Crime. I am your host, Frank Zafiro, and on this episode, we are going to talk to debut novelist Sean A. Cosby. I think you're going to be a little surprised at the job that he currently holds and uh, not very surprised at the fact that it was uh, a bit of an inspiration for him when it came to writing this book. But before we talk to Sean, I want to let you know that uh, Wrong Place, Right Crime is sponsored by Down and Out Books. Down and Out Books is an up-and-coming publisher that focuses on crime fiction at the gritty and darker end of the spectrum. Uh, if you want to find out more, you can go to downandoutbooks.com. That's downandoutbooks, all spelled out, dot com. Down and Out Books. Take the journey with us. Uh, now let's meet Sean A. Cosby. All right, well, welcome to the show, Sean. Oh, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Um, we first met at VoucherCon uh, last year in St. Petersburg, and uh, it was great to meet you. Yeah, it was fabulous meeting you. I, I actually didn't know um, you were a writer when we met. I We happened to be near each other at one of the panels, and we struck mm-hmm. up a conversation, and then mm-hmm. I, I found out what a fantastic writer you were, so that was a happy coincidence. Uh, you're very kind, and it, it was nice. It was cool to meet people. Uh, that was that was a great voucher con. I met a lot of great people, and uh, uh, I'm glad you were one of them. You know, <laughs> thanks, thanks. We, we have more in common than you might think, though, uh, both of us. Uh, our uh, thug lit alumni <laughs> yeah i tell you man there's a lot of uh folks that come from that thug lit uh learning tree and uh <laughs> a lot of great writers have uh, been in that in that magazine uh todd robson has done a lot for uh crime fiction and um in general and, and me specifically so pretty pretty blessed and pretty proud uh and, and humbled that he uh selected my story to be the uh last story in the last issue of thug lit and so it's a story called Slant Six, and it was a uh, story told in a flashback about a, a gentleman who is a auto mechanic by day, but by night he uh, fixes up uh, vehicles for uh, near the wells and criminal uh, organizations that are running heist. And as the story opens, there's a uh, classic, or as we say down here, there's a cherry 71 Plymouth Duster in the garage and the uh, one of his clients wants to buy it he it's not for sale and so then he uh tells a story about the car and it belonged to his father and and how it came into his possession and so uh, i was very proud of that story that that story also got an honorable mention in best american mystery short stories 2016 so um that story is a it's a very i'm very proud of it and has a you know a very special place in my heart so um are you a car guy Oh yeah, <laughs> I well, I grew up uh, in uh, Southern Virginia, uh, Southeastern Virginia, and uh, near the Chesapeake Bay. And um, growing up, all a lot of my uh, relatives. I have a big family. My brother, my dad had eight brothers and sisters. My mom has four, and in between, I have a whole host of cousins and relatives. And uh, a lot of my relatives were into cars. Um, I I grew up around guys who were either shade tree mechanics or actual mechanics, and a lot of those guys like to soup up older late model cars and uh and i know you're a uh, police former police officer so it's funny because we used to do a lot of illegal drag racing out here <laughs> after midnight uh, on double lane highways and stuff and so i grew up around that and uh got into it myself a little bit older working on cars and you could hang out with my dad and probably talk for hours he's a big <laughs> uh, your website said something about you starting your your career in 2017 but i must have misread that because uh that thug lit was in 16 so <laughs> well i mean i 
I, I committed fully to being a full-time writer in 2017. Ah, I got you. Um, but before that, I did a wide variety of uh, different jobs. I, like I said, I grew up down here in Virginia. Uh, um, I went uh, to college uh, for English major. I came out of college uh, um, to help my mom with some things. And then I kind of bounced around for a while. I did all kinds of jobs. I was a bouncer. I was a construction worker. I worked at um, a fast food restaurant. I was a retail manager. I worked on uh, gallop boats and fishing boats and stuff like that. But um, all through that, I always loved to write. I always loved reading and, and, and telling stories. And so um, uh, I started getting – I was always serious about it. Like I was saying, like some of the kids would say today, I was serious, serious around 2010 when I really started committing to getting better as a writer. I took some sound advice from a guy that I was working with at the time. And uh, he uh, told me uh, I was frustrated because I couldn't seem to get any of my stories published. And I, I thought I had talent. I had teachers and friends tell me I had talent. And this guy named Tom Halstead, who's a salesman at a um, hardware store where I worked, he told me something. He said, look. He said, you are a really good writer. He said, but there's a hundred people, thousand people that can write. He said, the people that are successful are the people that go out into the community, whatever writing community it is, and you make connections and you meet people. And you put your name out there and you let people starting start to know that you're in business. So he's, and he said this, it always stuck with me. Nobody's going to come knocking on your door and beg for your art. You've got to get out there and push it. And so, That's um, so true. Yeah. So when I started doing that, I started going to conventions. I started going to, uh, um, I don't know if you're familiar, but there's a writer, great writer named Eric Pruitt. Um, oh, yeah. And he, uh, He's been on the show. Yeah. He reached out to me uh, in 2011 because both of us were in Thuglet Issue 10. And my bio said I lived in Virginia. He lives in North Carolina. We're only like two hours apart away from each other. And he invited me to my first noir at the bar. And that was kind of my first entree into the larger crime writing community i met a lot of interesting people there that i'm still friends with today and so that was my beginning of my journey into serious professional writing um you know making some people think of networking as a dirty word but it's one of those things that you have to do if you if you want to be successful or moderately successful or try to be successful at writing you've got to meet other writers you've got to put yourself out there and so um that was the beginning of that so Let's talk about My Darkest Prayer, which is your okay. your first book, your newest book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So the setting of My Darkest Prayer, my, my day job, my current day job is I, I'm, I'm working as a, a part-time assistant at a funeral home. And I um, had this idea of write that type of story in a setting that was familiar to me. The problem is in uh, most small towns, most crimes, whether it's murder or robbery, it's never a who done it. It's a can you prove it? Because sure. the nature of small towns, everybody knows who did it. Now it's just can the police get enough evidence or can so I didn't feel like a private eye in a small town setting was realistic. And so this is you know, it's funny we mentioned Todd earlier. I happened to visit New York City on vacation and I was in the midst of trying to write this book and I got to meet Todd in person and he's just this, you know, larger than life Boston by way of New York character. And as he and I were talking about the book. He was the one who suggested. He said, hey, don't you work at a funeral home? I'm like, yeah. I said, I'm having trouble trying to get this story, this private eye uh, uh, motif going. And he was like, just make him a, um, like an amateur private eye. Make him a troubleshooter. Make him like Easy Rollins or like Boo and Jr., who are the characters in his book, who happen to be bouncers that moonlight as private investigators or they get caught up in mysteries. And so 
when he said that, it was like a light went off in my head. And I was like, oh, he doesn't have to be a licensed private eye. In fact, it'll probably make the story more interesting if he's not. And so the elevator pitch, the basic premise of My Darkest Prayer, is our lead character is a gentleman named Nathan Waymaker, a funeral home assistant in Virginia. And he's um, the son of an African-American woman and a, a white man. And he works for his cousin. Now, he used to be a sheriff's deputy. He used to be, he was a former Marine. He served time in the Marine Corps. Um, his parents at the beginning of the book are are deceased. And um, the uh, he left the sheriff's department because they didn't seem to be interested in investigating it. And so he quit. And the only job he could get in town was working for his cousin. And so as the book opens, he's done some moonlighting as an off the books private eye or investigator or what have you. And um, a minister in town a local minister has been found dead and his congregation is under the impression that maybe the police are dragging their feet and they ask nathan to poke around and once he does you know he flips the lid on this small town corruption and murder and um you know he finds himself pulled into this um, swirling maelstrom of danger all the while trying to maintain his personal code of ethics and honor so he's not a, a player or a playboy he, he's a very damaged person who tries to persevere anyway and tries to push forward and so you know he does this for the money but he also does it maybe for a little bit of a penance because he felt like he failed his parents and he couldn't save them i have a you know there's a line i wrote and it stuck with me um when people ask me what the book is about and there's a line nathan says you know when he was a deputy he thought that he was keeping people safe but there's no such thing as safety there's only the downtime between tragedies oh that's great that's a good line. I went to a lecture one time, and uh, Walter Mosley was at a lecture at a, a local college. And uh, he said this. He said, if you're going to write a detective novel, and you're going to write a first-person detective novel, you better come up with some stuff for your detective to do when he's not detecting, or it's going to get really boring really quick. That kind of stuck with me, too. So I was like, yeah, I need to have some stuff in between his detection. So it, during the course of the book, he's investigating the crime, but he's also still working at the funeral home. So he's still going on body removals. He's still working funerals. He's still washing the hearse and, you know, cleaning up around the, uh, the mortuary. And so those things I hope make him relatable to people, even if they're not in the funeral industry, crime fiction, because it's 99% realistic. If you have a good writer, they're able to address issues in a way and, a, and talk about people who maybe are forgotten and people who maybe don't have a, they give voice to the voiceless. And like I said, again, and not just race, racial relations, but women and, and, and even, you know, the white male who may feel, you know, Oh man, I feel like I'm pressured. I don't know what to do. And so a, a person writing crime fiction can elaborate and, and extrapolate mm -hmm. that and, and, and maybe show people where that person is coming from and use that character to show his legitimate or her legitimate issues and maybe show where that character needs to grow. Yeah, I think crime fiction has always been and continues to be a great at exactly what you're talking about, exposing the human condition in all mm -hmm. its beauty and all its ugliness. And, mm -hmm. and and then so I totally agree with you. Uh, well, the book is My Darkest Prayer. It has been out now for a couple of months, right? Yeah, yeah. It just got a review in uh, the Mystery Tribune, which blew my mind. I was so happy. I clicking my heels together they liked it <laughs> it's doing That's pretty awesome. good yeah it's available good. on amazon.com you can just type in my darkest prayer by my my writing pseudonym is s.a.cosby or if you just google s.a.cosby it'll probably reroute you to that and uh yeah man it's doing all right so far 
So, <laughs> uh, I wish you great luck with, with the book and I, I'm glad I got to meet you and I really appreciate you coming on the show. Man, and thanks you so much for having me. And I, I hopefully we'll run into each other again at Bouchicon. I'd, I'd love to uh, um, discuss uh, some writing over some uh, Bouchicon drinks. So <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great to me. Uh, you're going to be there in Dallas. I'm I'm planning on it. Yes, sir. Cool, cool. I'll be there as well. All right. Um, well, there you are, folks. A very interesting guy and uh, interesting job that he's in. I'd say. I don't know. I don't think it's one I could do. And and I spent 20 years as a police officer and I was around more than a few dead bodies during that time period. But I don't know that I'd want to be around him in the particular setting that, uh, that Sean sees him in. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it'd be easier, but either way, I'm glad that he drew the inspiration that he drew from it. And, uh, my darkest prayer definitely sounds like an interesting book that I'll need to check out. And I hope you do too. Uh, next episode of wrong place, right crime. We will be going across the Atlantic ocean and since I'm in Oregon, most of the continental U.S. before that, uh, to talk to Colin Campbell, a Yorkshireman who is also a policeman, uh, now retired, who writes the Jim Grant thrillers. Uh, and uh, we had a great conversation. So uh, look forward to that next episode of Wrong Place, Right Crime. Uh, until then, this is Frank Zafiro reminding you, sometimes you got to be in the wrong place to write crime.